0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nguja-Dean. Today is Tuesday, June 6th. Coming up, we'll take a closer look at who's running for Kansas City mayor and city council and why you should pay attention. But first, some headlines. Missouri Governor Mike Parson has denied clemency to 42-year-old Michael Tysis, scheduled to be executed tonight. KCUR's Sam Zaff has more.
1: Federal judge last week blocked the execution, but the Ace Circuit Court of Appeals reversed that, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh agreed. Tysus was 19 when he and a partner killed two guards in a botched jailbreak in Randolph County. The New York Times reports that several jurors regret voting for the death penalty for Tysus. According to the Times, two jurors say they've been haunted by their experience. ABC News reports that one of Tysus' lawyers says he's anxious and frightened. Tysus would be the third execution so far this year in Missouri.
0: Missouri's Amendment 3 legalized recreational marijuana, and it requires nonviolent marijuana-related misdemeanors to be expunged by this Thursday. But KCUR's Savannah Holly Bates reports it's not likely courts will meet that deadline. Courts across the state have so far expunged nearly 44,000 nonviolent marijuana offenses, about 2,500 in the Kansas City area. Stephen Sokoloff, senior counsel for the Missouri Office of Prosecution Services, says the amendment was poorly written and makes compliance difficult. I think the deadlines are are unrealistic and very well may be unobtainable. I do know that they're they're making a hell of an effort. Sokoloff says paper records and a lack of funding make expungement cases extra time-consuming. Supply chain issues have squeezed supplies of more than a dozen chemotherapy drugs. Rose Conlin of the Kansas News Service reports that's forcing local doctors to ration medication for breast, bladder, and gynecological cancers. Kyla Bidney, an oncology pharmacist at Advent Health Shawnee Mission Cancer Center, says its drug shipments are sporadic and doctors are cutting patients' chemo doses by up to 10% to stretch supplies. I lose sleep over this,
1: you know, these drugs are part of so many different cancer treatments, so it's it's a very dire shortage.
0: She says doctors could be forced to delay some treatments if the problem continues. The US Food and Drug Administration is considering temporarily importing drugs from unauthorized overseas manufacturers to help mitigate the shortage. We'll be back after this. This podcast is looking for good deals on great food, but sometimes we need to grab a bite late at night. What are some of your favorite late night happy hours in the KC Metro? Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. Today is the start of in-person early voting for Kansas City's general election on June 20th. Voters will decide who will represent them on the city council. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal and Lynn Horsley cover local politics. They told me how the composition of the council could impact the future of the city. So Salisa, what are the most important issues this election cycle?
2: I would say the top three issues are housing... Development and uh, violent crime. I think a lot of people are realizing that it's getting more difficult to find an affordable home. Uh, The city actually has a shortage of affordable homes, especially for people making uh, low incomes. And so that's a struggle that I think the city is facing right now. And then in terms of development, we have a lot of like really big, flashy uh, projects coming the next couple of years. We have the World Cup, obviously. We also have, you know, a big park going up downtown. And so those are decisions that council members will have to make in the next couple of years in terms of tax incentives and whatnot, and also deciding what to do about a downtown baseball stadium. In terms of crime, I mean, this year we're seeing we're just seeing a lot of homicides, a lot of murders go unsolved. Um, And so that's that's another big issue that's sticking in the minds of residents. Lynn, what choices will voters be making? Well, they
1: are voting for the mayor, and there's not much of a race this year. Quentin Lucas is seeking re-election, and he's facing token opposition from perennial candidate Clay Chastain. Uh, voters will also be selecting six at-large candidates. Uh, they run from their part of the town, but they represent the whole city, and then they will vote for their in-district representative from the geographic area where they live. And Lynn, how will this election affect the composition of the city council? Well, there's going to be a lot of turnover no matter what. Uh, Six of the current 12 council members, not counting the mayor, are term limited out. They are not running again. So there will be at least six new people. And if some incumbents are upset, then we'll have even more new members. What are the most interesting races that are going on? Well, there are a bunch. Um, I would say the second district at large uh, features Lindsey French, who is uh, backed by a lot of former council people and kind of the establishment. And she's challenged by Janae Manley, who is a single mom and a major advocate for tenants and tenants rights. Uh, Lindsey won the primary in April, and so uh, it will be a challenge for Janae to try to change that outcome. If she is elected, she would be the first African American elected from north of the river.
2: Um, I would say another interesting race is the fifth at large race. We have Michael Kelly, who currently is the uh, policy director at Bike KC. That's also the organization that uh, Eric Bunch is from. And he's going against uh, Daryl Curls of the Curls uh, political name in Kansas City. And this was a really tight race uh, back in April. Both of them got just a little bit over 30 percent. And so uh, the vote was very, very close. And so it'll be really interesting to see. You know which person wins uh, in June. This is also another case of a newcomer to politics challenging uh, someone of the political establishment slash uh, status quo. Uh,
1: so a third really interesting race features uh, Dan Tarwater versus Jonathan Duncan. That's for the sixth district in district, which is South Kansas City. Uh, Dan Tarwater is a well-known, longtime Jackson County legislator, and uh, he. Uh, came out on top in the April primary, but he's facing a rigorous challenge from Jonathan Duncan, who is a Iraq war veteran and a veterans advocate. Jonathan is also a, a big organizer with KT, KC Tenants, and they will be endorsing him and working hard to see, try to get him to overcome Dan's uh, lead in this current election.
0: Could you explain the difference between the
1: in-district races and the at-large races? That's a great question. Um, Kansas City is divided up into six districts, and they run from the Northland through Midtown and then into the South. Candidates run from the area where they live, but the at-large districts are really are supposed to be representing the whole city and the interests of the entire city. The in-district candidates run from their part of the city, but they're sort of more constituent-oriented, and they would be particularly focused on Northland infrastructure or needs for downtown or midtown or the inner city or south of the river. And for the in-district candidates, only the people who
0: live in their district can vote for them, whereas for the at-large candidates, the entire city
1: can vote for them. Is that right? That's correct. And it means that voters have a lot of homework to do because they need to familiarize themselves not only with their in-district rep, but with people that will be serving the entire city. So, Lynn, what interest groups are trying to influence this election? Well, this is really interesting. For the first time, uh, Casey Tennant's power, which is the political arm of KC Tenant's advocacy group is taking a big role in a city council election and this will be a test of their ground game. They are working especially hard for Janae Manley in the second district at large and also for Jonathan Duncan in the sixth district. Uh, And both of those are underdog candidates. So we'll see if they can prevail in the general after coming in second in the primary. Um, They've also endorsed uh, Melissa Robinson and Eric Bunch, Andrea Boo, and um, Michael Kelly in the 5th District at large. Um, So, you know, that will be a test of whether they can get the vote out for their candidates. The Fraternal Order of Police have chosen other candidates They've endorsed Justin Short in the second, excuse me, in the uh, fourth district at large. They've endorsed Nathan Willett in the first district, and they've endorsed Dan Tarwater in the sixth district. So, you know, and they're – those candidates are really for – more money for police, more community policing, more attention on crime prevention, whereas other candidates are focused more on affordable housing and social justice and economic justice issues. So those are real rivalries in this election. So Lisa, how could a new council impact the mayor's
0: ability to pursue his agenda and priorities?
2: You know, I think I think if these underdog candidates do end up winning, I think it could end up bolstering the mayor's agenda. Uh, When I interviewed the mayor after the primaries, he said that we could possibly have the most progressive city council that the city's ever seen. So I think he could more easily maybe pass his policy priorities. You know, if these Casey tenants power candidates win, I also think if those candidates do win, he'll be actually forced to go more to the left. And uh, I think they'll push him to adopt more progressive policies, more policies on housing and whatnot. But if you know, more of the fraternal order of police candidates win. he could see a lot of tension there with police funding, especially, you know, how to address crime. You know, we could see, you know, big decisions with tax incentive policies. So I think I think we have the chance to elect, you know, a very like progressive leaning city council, which I think could complement the mayor's agenda uh, in his next term. Um, So why should
0: voters really pay attention to this election?
1: Well, all elections are important, but this is really a pivotal one. Um, This council got the city through COVID, and now they're poised for a lot of momentum, but huge issues to solve. Uh, The crime problem, affordable housing, and these are the people that are going to be confronting and grappling with those issues over the next four years.
0: All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was a pleasure. That was KCUR's Celisa Kalonkel and Lynn Horsley. You can vote early in person until June 19th at Union Station, United Believers Community Church in the Southeast, and the whole person in Midtown. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nugia Dean. This podcast is produced by Paris Norval and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read our coverage of the upcoming city council election, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear from the family of Ralph Yarl, the teenage boy shot and injured in the Northland earlier this year after he accidentally knocked on the wrong door. Thanks for listening and I'll see you soon.